genealogy of Jesus, but if you'd like to reference it, you'll find it in verses 2 through 15. Listen now for the word of the Lord. A record of the ancestors of Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. And thus is listed all the generations before and after David the king, until it comes to Jacob, who was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So there were 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 generations from the exile to Babylon to the Christ. This is how the birth of Jesus took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled. Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And Joseph called him Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a single situation in my life when I was afraid of something but then felt completely calm after someone told me not to be afraid. I used to get scared frequently as a child, mostly at night when it was time to go to sleep. My parents would tell me, nothing is outside your window. You are safe. Don't be afraid. Now I trust my parents fully, and I knew that they had always kept me safe before, but their words couldn't make me any less scared. The only thing that helped quell my fear was knowing that my parents were present with me and that wouldn't leave me or abandon me. Both Ahaz from the Isaiah scripture that the Scott family read and Joseph from the Matthew scripture that we've heard were given similar messages of do not be afraid. They each were facing some pretty scary circumstances. Ahaz was in the middle of international political conflict, possibly war, and Joseph had just been told that his fiance was carrying a baby that wasn't biologically his own, which was, was cause for deep public shame in first century Jewish culture. Despite these circumstances, both Ahaz and Joseph were given the command and the invitation, do not fear. The prophet Isaiah tells Ahaz not to fear the rising turmoil 
or the kings of Damascus and Samaria who were plotting to overthrow him. Remember that the first verses of our text tell us that Ahaz is a member of the line of David. And Isaiah tells Ahaz that this attack against him and the nation of Judah will not succeed. And it won't succeed because the head of Judah is Jerusalem, which is the Lord's chosen land. And the head of Jerusalem is the son of David, who are the Lord's chosen people. And likewise, an angel from the Lord tells Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife, that the child she carried was conceived by the Holy Spirit, that he will be the true son of David, sent to save the people. This is one reason why Matthew includes the genealogy as he sets up his story. It shows that Jesus is indeed the son of David, because Joseph, a member of the Davidic line, chose to accept the invitation to be his earthly father. And through the inclusion of women and Gentiles, two groups of typically lowly status in the ancient Jewish culture, this genealogy shows that all belong in God's family. All are invited to participate in God's action in the world. God's action is the main event in both of these texts. God uses messengers to extend invitations to both Ahaz and Joseph, allowing their faith to overpower the fears caused by their surrounding situations. God invites both men to do unlikely things. For Ahaz, to trust that his adversaries will not prevail, and for Joseph, to trust that he and his fiance have been chosen to parent the one who will save his people. And the sign that accompanied both of these invitations is the child called Emmanuel, God with us. The sign of the child reminds us that God with us does not mean the God who's on our team, the God who will destroy anyone who's not. The child sign was surprising for the king of Judah named Ahaz. It was surprising for a bachelor preparing to wed a girl named Mary. And it's surprising for those of us who live in a world where God is expected to be vengeful and to crush enemies. This child is an invitation to a new way of being in relationship with each other. It invites us to rely less on self-preservation and more on the truth that God has always cared for God's people and God will continue to do so. This new way of being in relationship with each other takes courage and Joseph exemplifies this type of courage in the first chapter of Matthew. When Joseph learned that Mary was pregnant, he had planned to call off their engagement quietly. Not only was he well within his rights to do so, but this was an extremely kind gesture considering the situation. The law allowed for public humiliation for Mary, even that she be executed. The fact that Joseph had made the decision to keep her dignity intact says a lot about his character. 
he was, in fact, going above and beyond his obligations to her. So when an angel from the Lord tells him not to be afraid to take Mary as his wife, I can't help but wonder what went through Joseph's head. An important thing to remember about Joseph is that he is a Jewish man living in the first century. He would have been very familiar with scripture, and he would have considered it the guiding law by which to live his life. And by choosing to dismiss Mary, he was following the law and living into his role as an honorable Jewish man. So when this angel offers him another way, Joseph finds himself at a crossroad. Will he hold fast to the scripture that's informed his life thus far? Or will he embrace the command of God, which is unfolding in front of him? Will he choose self-preservation, protecting the social standing of himself and his family? Or will he accept the invitation to live into this new way of relationship, a way of radical inclusion? Joseph chose to believe in love even when it didn't line up with what society deemed acceptable. Joseph chose to believe in this message from God even if it didn't make sense to anyone else. In many ways, Joseph is a model for what Matthew hopes of all who read his gospel, and especially all of the early Jewish Christians who found themselves in the paradox of having a deep respect for the law and yet trying to reconcile this law with the new command to love their neighbor in radical ways. Joseph decided to live out the heart of the law instead of the letter of the law. He was willing to set aside his previous understanding of God's will in order to attend to the will of God that was alive and acting in his world. It's not news to anyone that this world can be a frightening place. Whether you're a king contemplating the ramifications of international war, or someone living in 2020 trying to figure out how to navigate life in a global pandemic. And when humanity is faced with fear and pain and trying times, it's all too easy to allow that hurt to become animosity toward our neighbor, particularly for the sake of protecting ourselves. And yet, as we've looked at the story of God's people this morning, we see that just when things look completely hopeless, that's the moment that God says, and then, and God invites us to participate in filling in that blank. And then, the people sang songs of joy even though they were sad. And then, the ones who were lonely or forgotten were invited in. And then, the people who remembered that the ones they had once considered other they too were an image bearer of God. And then, the ones who had plenty shared with the ones who did not. And then, God's people remembered God's faithfulness, and they trusted that God would continue to be present. 
None of these things will solve all our problems. They won't put a stop to political unrest, and they won't make a dangerous virus disappear. But wow, what a difference it'll make to our experience as we deal with such hardships. These things, they may not change our situation, but I bet they sure would change us. We were made to live in right relationship with each other, to bear each other's burdens. None of us is meant to walk this road alone. And when we seek radically inclusive relationship, when we seek to love others the way that Jesus did, that image of God that lives inside of us, it becomes present for someone who desperately needs to experience Emmanuel, to experience God with us. So if you're looking around at our world thinking, wow, this looks hopeless, listen for God's whisper, and then. How might God be inviting you to fill in that blank? So as the people of God, we have a choice to make. We can give in to the hopelessness and allow such darkness to be the prevalent force in our world, or we can raise our voices to proclaim another way. We can accept the invitation that God extends to us to engage in radical inclusivity. And by doing so, we participate in God's action of ushering in a new order, a new way to be human, a new way to be God's faithful. God is whispering, and then. And then you don't have to be afraid. And then his name is Emmanuel. God is with us. Always has been, always will be. In the name of God the Creator, God the Redeemer, and God the Sustainer. Amen.